This week we continue in Acts. I don't think I've ever had this long of a heads up on the specific passages I was going to preach on. Is when we go through the go through the scriptures, and I know I'm going to be preaching at the end of May in January. So a lot of times to ruminate on on a passage, and that can be really dangerous uh, because I can really take some take some time and go down some rabbit holes, and I got to do that this this round and found some things down some rabbit holes that I didn't expect and that kind of changed my perspective on some things, but I'm not sharing that today. Just, just going to bury that lead for now. But this, this chap, these chapters of Acts, as we have been going through, we went through all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Now we're about halfway through Acts in chapters 12 through 16. So if you guys have your Bibles, that's great. Open them up. It's also important that we would think about Luke. Remember Luke, the gospel, and the gospel writer of Luke was the same guy who wrote the, the, the Acts of the Apostles, or as we've been saying, the Acts of guys who really believe what Jesus did for them and lived like it. But at the beginning of Luke, he talks to the guy who was commissioning, basically the guy who's like, hey, I want to understand what's going on with this Christianity thing. Give me an account. I'll pay you to write down what happened so that I can get this story in my head and so that it will be safe. And so Theophilus is that guy who's like, hey, Luke, I need somebody who's got good details, can compose a story. So Luke wrote, wrote this the Gospel of Luke, and then he writes the book of Acts. And we find ourselves in kind of the middle and in a transition, and that was this word that I kept thinking as I was reading this, this transition, that we are in a transitional time in the book of Acts. And most of us know about transitions in life. Sometimes we are looking forward to the next transition, and we're excited about what's coming. It's graduation season. We're excited to transition and see graduates do the next thing. And that graduate may be terrified of that transition. Two completely opposite perspectives on the exact same thing. We do that in our lives. Sometimes it's because we see it coming and we're terrified. And then when we look at it from the past, we're thrilled. Sometimes we're thrilled when it's coming and then it gets there and... Looking back on it, you wish something different had happened. Some transitions hit us out of the blue, and something new happens. And we didn't have any context for it, and it knocks the wind out. And sometimes those things happen, and they pick us up, and we didn't see where it's coming from. Transitions are all over the place, and that's what's going on in this book of Acts, these transitions. But that's kind of a word we use around here. So... Jamie didn't really think that was a very good time. So she said, well, I, as we were talking, I just said that my God story is not your God story, but it is all part of his story. So that's what we see. We see all these transitions, and they have different contexts from different people, and everybody's looking at it from different angles and feeling different things, and that creates a tension that we see in this middle chunk of Acts. It actually carries through a lot of what we'll be reading from the Apostle Paul and his epistles. 
You guys know what that kind of tension feels like in your own lives. We just sat for a minute, we could say about the tension we feel about ourselves. And what should I do? Should I stay and endure this? Should I go? Reminds me of a, of a song about, it kind of goes, uh, if, I, if I go, there will be trouble. If I stay, it will be double. You guys know that song? Big rock band from, from, uh, from England? Yeah, if I, if I go, there will be trouble. If I stay, it will be double is going on here because we've got two characters that are kind of the main, main characters of the book of Acts. They are Peter and Paul. And we see their lives in transition. We looked a couple weeks ago and we saw Paul had a major transition that he did not see coming. He's headed to Damascus to go do some killing. And Jesus says, hey, why, why are you, why are you hurting me? Why are you persecuting me? And Paul has this major transition in life. And he immediately goes into Damascus and instead of doing the killing, he does the preaching. And he is, now he's transitioning other people and creating these transitions. Meanwhile, Peter, so Paul's the guy who's going and Peter's the guy who's staying. Should I stay? Should I go or should I stay? These tensions. And as we look through the spaces that we're in, a lot of times those are the two decisions we have. Do I stay and endure this, or do I need to escape it? Or, better yet, do I need to be energized by it and go and do something with it? As we pray, as we think, as we feel, as we get impassioned about things, maybe as you get angry about something, those are the two things. Do I stay and this is frustrating to me, and I'm going to address it. And I'm going to stay in my job. I'm going to stay in my congregation. I'm going to stay in my family. I'm going to stay in this situation, and I'm going to take the peace of Christ into it and keep it here. I'm going to stay, and there'll be trouble. Maybe I'm going to go, and something has been laid on my heart, and I am passionate about it, and I need to go and do something with it. That's Paul. He's like, I got to go. And he goes back into Damascus and they try to kill him. He was going to go kill them. They got changed around. And then he goes to the next city. And so as I was getting to go through this scripture and these passages in Acts and thinking about the timeline and, you know, you know how long Paul kind of spent going around making trouble for the church? Sometimes I read this and I think, ah, oh, it's like six months. No, it was years. Years of making threats and trouble. I've never experienced that. My rough times don't last years usually. I've been super blessed. Maybe. Maybe I could have been changed by something like that. Three years about Paul's sin and threats. And in that time, remember this is a transition between Paul, Peter being the kind of the subject, the main character of Acts, you see his story all through it. You've heard his name. You've seen it. You've read about his speeches. You've seen the people he's healed. All as we look back, all as we come to here, we see that Peter kind of being this central figure. And then Paul comes on the scene, who killed Steve, who like was like, yeah, you can go, kill, go ahead and kill Stephen. 
everybody brought their coats and got the approval from, from Paul. Stephen probably was Peter's friend. Right, the early church, they were growing. And the elders, the leaders, the apostles said, hey, we've got so many things to do. We cannot, we need to focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. Those were what the apostles needed to focus on. Those were like the top things. Right? I need to, we need to be praying for people, and we need to be sharing the word. We know we have lots of duties and things. That we need to make sure everybody's got food. We need to make sure everybody's got clothing. Because the early church, they shared everything. But if you're like me, you don't always share your needs. You would just sit there and be like, I'm hungry, and I'm not going to tell anybody. Well, they were worried about that concerned about that. And so they appointed some guys to say, hey, pay attention to those needs. And, and, this, and Stephen was one of them. Peter knew him. And Paul killed him. My friend is gone. And you did it. That's some tension. Now you're taking the role that I've had. Man, I don't know. That's that's rough. Anybody ever get a promotion when you should have got the promotion, or got the rec recognition that you thought you deserved? That's not nearly as bad as this. That's back a few chapters in in Acts. So this is the setup of these transitions and these relationships, and. As I've read scripture most of my life, sometimes I look at it as, what are the instructions for me and how should I live? And that's helpful. And I encourage you to look, look into scripture and say, how do I live? What is my attitude? What should my attitude be? Scripture will reveal that. But it also will reveal what kind of messes am I going to expect? Because here's one of them. So as we look, we're going to, we've seen Paul get changed from Saul, become a new man, and we are, so this rough time, Paul quit killing Christians, but somebody took over. His name was Herod, the king. So there's still a lot of pressure. I know there's lots of pressure in your life. There's things that make you frustrated, make it difficult. Hopefully you can see they also help us make the most important things stay the most important things. Because James was killed. Another one of Peter's friends. Peter gets put in prison. We saw that at the very beginning of chapter 12. It's about AD 42. Jesus probably went back to heaven in about 33, so it's been almost 10 years since Jesus was gone. 10 years ago. Most of you I have not met. I walked into Christway only three and a half years ago. Saw some new faces that have become so important to me. And saw some old faces that are super, have gotten more important to me than they were before. Praise Jesus for transitions. That one was one where I went. Now I'm hopefully at one where I stay. 
Peter got put in prison and James got killed. Peter got released miraculously. The angels came. He was tied. He had 16 guys. Four teams. Wait, no, eight guys. Four teams and two. Acts chapter 12. He had two guys chained to him at night. And two guys stayed in the garden. He wasn't getting out. He knew he wasn't getting out. The angel came, released his chains. He thought he was having a vision, not a reality. And he got out. That's a big deal. He stayed. He went and stayed in town. So that's Acts chapter 12. Then Herod finally dies a couple years later. Acts chapter 13. Bring us to Acts chapter 13. So Paul and Barnabas set out from Antioch. Antioch, where, anybody know where that is? There's actually two of them that he goes and sets out, sets out from. Antioch is north of Jerusalem, like a couple hundred miles north of Jerusalem. It would be a, not a bad day's drive. They are not driving. Just, just remember that as we think about these places. These guys are not driving to their next to, to lunch. They're walking. Maybe they're rich and they got a horse, but horses, they got all sorts of messes, right? My dogs make a lot of messes. I have to clean up after. They cause lots of problems. Horses' messes are bigger than dogs' messes. Right, when a horse decides to go through a fence, you're not fixing that real fast. When a horse decides to run away, they can run away for 10 seconds and be like, oh, great. Uh, when I lived in Montana, that was like one of my things. I didn't deal with horses. They were fast, but I couldn't ride one all day. I could ride one for about six hours, and then I was done for like the next couple days. So this journey from Jerusalem to Antioch was a commitment, and that was just a little short journey for Paul. So it was north, they would have probably went through Capernaum, the city where Peter was, you know, kind of from, his fishing village was. So these guys go north, they're hanging out in Antioch, because the people in Jerusalem were trying to kill them. That's not the kind of vacation I usually plan. We got a vacation, we planned a little uh, trip coming up for our anniversary, we're not going because somebody's trying to kill us. It's a, it's a different way of thinking. But these guys are, these guys are in Antioch. That's where uh, they're taken off from. And so that's now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon called Niger. Lucius of Cyrene. Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. And Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. Classic missionary. right? That's the classic missionary little story. Somebody's going to go be a missionary. We're going to read this. We're going to gather around. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to send you off to do the work of the Lord. That's classic. What's happening with Peter? Peter's been walking with Jesus for three years with him, and then Ten years later, now all of a sudden we're, we're talking about Barnabas and Paul. What happened to Peter in this transition? This transition is cool because if it wasn't for this transition in Acts, most of us would not be believers and sitting in this room. This transition that we're reading is the tension between 
The church that's been the church, the Jewish community, and the Gentiles who had no context for God, for this God story, for this Jesus. That's most of our backgrounds. Even if you were raised in the church, we're Gentiles, unless you have this really strict lineage and you're Jewish. Thank you if you are. Because salvation came first to the Jews. And then they shared it with us. So we are super supportive of that. But, but Paul is sent to the Gentiles. And we see all these characters. And we see all this, these transitions of these guys who are going. Barnabas, Saul. Uh, Barnabas was a friend, a cousin of John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark. These relationships, Silas, these names that you've been in the scripture for a long time, you know Paul and Silas and Barnabas and, and John and, and Timothy and Titus, and we see all these guys introduced and, and all these relationship changes that happen during here. And if you're like me, relationship changes can be great and they can be painful. And a lot of times you don't know until you look back on it. Is this somebody, is this relationship change positive or negative in my life? I'm not sure. I'm trying to walk with him and trust the Lord because as I've seen in my life that when we say God works out for the good, all things for the good, for what? For who? Who does he work that out for? For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So these difficult things, Paul and Peter both love the Lord. And they're called according to his purpose. And they walk into some really messy things. And sometimes that's with each other. Sometimes that's with their buddies. Because Paul and Barnabas take this trip. They got John Mark along with them. And as they go on this trip in all these cities, and they kind of go up north of Jerusalem and out east, and they take a ship for some of it, and then they go around, and they come back, take a ship, but... About halfway through, John Mark says, I'm going to head back to Jerusalem. Paul didn't like that. So the next time around, there's some tension there. Peter's not, Peter's not really mentioned here in chapter 13. But there is a passage here that Paul sure, and Peter sure can agree on. He's as Paul and Barnabas are preaching and speaking. And Paul and Barnabas also probably knew each other from school. They both studied under Gamaliel. Got any college buddies that you're pretty good friends with? You'd hate to see something tragic happen to that relationship. Paul and Barnabas, they were buddies. Barnabas is the one who, when Paul first came to Jerusalem and the rest of the, the believers were like, I don't think I want to talk to him because he's been my enemy and been killing my friends, Barnabas is the one with the courage to say, I'm going to go get him and introduce him to the rest of the apostles. That happened too. So many relationships. So much opportunity for tension. Just like our relationships. Also, so much opportunity for God to be glorified. So, if you want to look with me, Acts chapter 13, verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, we don't have time, but remember when you see therefore, go back and see what it's there for. 
Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that though this man, for, through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is free from everything that which he could not be free from the law of Moses. In our relationships, our college buddies, our close, intimate friends, the tension really can wreck our lives and really be frustrating. They see the things that we need freed from. These guys are celebrating that. As you read this, that's the, the, the con condensing of the gospel. As we read, and Paul says, don't let any other gospel be preached to you. Don't lose sight of the gospel. All those, all those verses about the gospel, this is kind of it in a nutshell. Jesus frees us from things that the rules can't get, can't get done. And that is the tension of this middle section of Acts and so much of the New Testament. That the Jews and the people who have been in church for a long time are used to, this is how we live. And then Jesus came and freed us from what that couldn't take care of. So, I want you to keep that in mind. This gospel message frees us from things that the rules couldn't free us from. You can follow the rules perfectly, still not be free. Paul knew that. Because that's how he lived. He said, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm a law blameless. He lived that way, and he, but he still encountered Christ and said, oh, I need something different. So, I'm going to move, move here through 14 and chapter 15. They went to Iconium and Lystra. So they're, you can picture the map of, of Israel and and the Mediterranean, I'd love to do a cruise. If somebody knows how to set up a cruise in the Mediterranean, that'd be nice. Uh, see where Paul goes and visits these great Mediterranean countries and, and see that. Maybe we could plan a trip trip sometime. That'd be great. That'd be all about that. He didn't have such a, he didn't cruise on a cruise ship, just remember. So they're going around and they're visiting all these places. He's stoned in Lystra. I don't see that on the cruise itinerary anywhere, please. Uh, so we got stoned. That, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean with smoking something. That means with rocks. <laughs> Just make sure we know that it's not that kind of stone. It's not a trip to Jamaica. Uh, so Paul Barnabas returned to Antioch after this trip, for like a three or four year mission trip. Because remember, they're on horses and sailboats, so they're not exactly cruising along real fast. Takes them a few years. And in verse 28, at the end of chapter 14, we see that they remained no little time with the disciples. And the, because the door of the Gentiles had been opened. So these guys were hanging around in Antioch for a little while. And then verse 15, listen to this tension. Think about tension when, some, when the bosses come into work. When parents come to school and they're having a good day. When your friends have to talk to you about your children's interactions. The police knock on your door. But some men came down from Judea were teaching, and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Everything you've been learning, salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. Oh, wait, and you need to have this little procedure done. 
It only hurt for a few months. You cannot be saved. And my tension rises up in me as the boss says, no, you got to do it this way. What you've been hearing is not complete. You're, you're incomplete. You have to do something else. That is going to ruin your day. And that's the tension that we see right here in the middle of this chapter, this, these passages of Acts. You have to have Jesus and Paul doesn't appreciate that very much. So, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. With who? I wonder. These are brothers. These are people that he probably knew. We're not exactly sure ex when this happened, right? Remember this chapter, this book of Acts, is so that we can understand what happened in, in, in Christianity as it came on the scene. So we're not exactly sure what year this happened, but it's, it's possible, or likely even, that Paul refers to this in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Kind of interesting. Peter talks about Paul. Alright, Paul talks about Peter. So, Galatians chapter 2, the beginning of Galatians, Paul is recounting some of his story as he does often. And he says, just kind of a little bit of extra here in the beginning, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised. Remember what that gospel is. This message that Jesus fulfills what no rules could ever do. Justifies you to God and makes you free. That's the gospel. Just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, to the people who have been in church and been trying to follow the rules, they got that message too. For he worked through Peter and his apostle, apostolic, apostolic, that's how that word said, apostolic ministry to the circumcised, worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas, Cephas is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do also. Great. Peter and, Peter and Paul seem to be pretty happy there. Until the next verse. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. Peter, you're not doing what you... Anybody like these kind of conversations with their friends? Opposing them to their face? That is not fun. Nobody, nobody really signs up for that. It's so difficult. You might be like me, and you roll through your head. How can I say this? I need to confront my friend. My friend seems to be not doing what he ought to be doing. This is tension. Opposed him to his face. It's a little example. Don't do it on Facebook. Not on his Facebook. On his, to his face. <laughs> For before certain men came from James, James was like the leader of the church in Jerusalem. We also don't think that James really sent them. They just were like in James' church. He was eating with the Gentiles. Oh, 
Anybody eat with somebody and maybe like uh, mom and dad be mad if I went out to dinner with them? Peter was eating with the Gentiles. Tragic. But when they came, when the Jews, the church people came, he withdrew and, and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, the gospel, no rules can save you, only Jesus saves you. Amen. Not in step with the gospel. I said to Cephas, Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And we'll get, we'll, we'll get there. Stay with us as we go through the, through the New Testament. We'll get right to this. But there's this tension here. And so we're going to have to have a discussion. Church meeting. We see this in chapter 15. But some came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised, According to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. Peter and Paul are right in the middle of it. And you might really feel like you're right in the middle of some, some tension. And I pray that you would have the boldness of these guys. Because whatever this confrontation happened, chapter 15... These guys all come back to Jerusalem. It's one of the first and most important meetings of, of the early church. Everybody get together and say, we're going to have to sort this out because we have no unity on it. And they come back together and Peter stands up. We read this this morning. Peter stood up. So we read this this morning. I don't know if you recognize all this tension that's going on. Peter's trying to Work with Paul who killed his friends. But he stands up and what does he say? Because he could have said, I don't like you very much. And all the things that we, in our anger, would want to say towards somebody that we're disagreeing with. That's not what he says. Peter stood up and said, Brothers, you know that in the early days, not too long ago actually, when we read a couple chapters ago about him having the vision and the sheets came down and the food was there and he said, right, Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, I don't eat food like that. That's not what Jewish boys like me do. God said, no, what I call clean, don't call unclean. Opening the door to the Gentiles. So Peter stood up and said to them, in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe, the word of the gospel, that no rules can save you. Only Jesus can save you. Hear the word and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor us have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And the assembly fell silent. Finally got everybody quiet in church. 
so thankful Peter recognized that he was not, hadn't fully moved into the gospel himself, even though he'd been, he walked with Jesus while he was on earth, and then he had 10 years of practice, and he still retreated when he was in Antioch because of the pressure that his friends put on him. You ever feel that way? You sometimes retreat? Haven't quite stepped into the fullness of the gospel message to your, in your own life. This is Peter, the guy who's like, Jesus says, your confession on this rock, I'm going to build my church. He had to get back up on that rock. We have to do that too. That's why I say, the first person to hear the gospel every day needs to be you. It needs to be Peter here. Thankfully, thankfully he said this gospel and the whole assembly felt quiet. Then they got to hear Paul and Barnabas tell the stories of what the Gentiles have been experiencing on these, on these trips. And we see this outcome after the church meets together and hears, okay, well, what are we going to make these guys do? What rules do we want to put on there? Because we're the rules we've been following haven't been working for us. Only Jesus is going to work for us. And they just have some simple things. Therefore, my judgment, this is, this is James, kind of the leader of the church at the time, Jesus' brother. We shouldn't trouble the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from what has been strangled, and from blood. It's a pretty short list. That's it. Everybody's happy. Paul and Barnabas had a new mission. They're going to send that letter out. They're going to take that letter. And they're going to take Pop, Silas, and everything's hunky dory from there on out. Peter and, and Paul kind of had some agreement. They came to the same, same place and no more tension. No. That's not it. That's not, that's not life. Because now they now we see at the end of end of uh, this very chapter. Paul's and Barnabas get their disagreement over John Mark. Later, that's restored. John Mark doesn't get to go with Paul. He has to go with, with Barnabas. And Silas comes along with Paul. And the thing that divided them became a benefit because they love the Lord and were called according to his purpose. And that's what we don't always see. The, the tension that divided these guys, they were like, man, it's so sad that they couldn't, couldn't kneel in prayer and humble themselves and have a better attitude and fix it right then. Yes, that would have been great. But God worked out anyway because we bring along Silas. And at the same time, just a little bit later on their, one of their first stops, we meet Timothy. Super important to Paul. Super important to us. We, we don't know what would have been perfect. In our relationships, the things that we should have said and should have done, and we wish it would have went a certain way, and it didn't, and it got real messy and real painful. But I'm going to keep, go, God, I'm going to keep choosing the gospel 
And we're going to keep choosing to love you and to be called according to your purpose. And I know I messed it up, but something new is going to come. And you're, you're going to work it out for your glory. And we see Timothy show up. And all these people that get converted, challenged, and comforted. Peter, so Paul goes, should I stay or should I go? If I go, there'll be trouble. Paul experiences trouble. And some of those times he tells Timothy he needs to stay. Sort out the things that are need to be right in the church. That's a rough job. Put things there as they should be. That's a rough job. I don't know if Timothy would have been, there would have been room in Paul's, Paul's party, Paul's company, Paul's mission trips. And Barnabas and Paul didn't have a little staff. I don't know. But I know that God worked it out for his glory. As those guys continue to love him even when they make mistakes. That's the middle of the Acts. The tension that we see between brothers who have a whole lot in common. Between people who don't understand and are jealous. And probably the internal conflict of Peter. As we transition as the gospel transforms us. Peter later, at the end of his life, see both Peter and Paul died in Rome in the 60s. A couple decades later, maybe. Probably died violent deaths because they followed Jesus. But before Peter died, 2 Peter chapter 3, my little uninspired heading says final words. They might be Peter's final, the final words that Peter wrote. It might be his last will and testament, even. Because he probably wrote them from Rome, and he didn't make it out of Rome. Therefore, beloved, since you are writing for these, waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. And at peace. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also writes. To you according to the wisdom given him. He gives him this kind of backhanded compliment I think. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in the, them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Which the ignorant unstable twist of their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That's what I would leave you with. Grow in the grace of and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ from now until the day of eternity. All that tension that you have is and it's in the story. It's in his story. Your God's story is not my God's story. It's not exactly these guys' God's story, but they're all part of his story. 
and he can handle your tension, and he can handle the mistakes that you make navigating it. Not only can he handle it, but he can do awesome things on the other side of it, in the middle of it, maybe because of it, if you give it to him. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Thank you for letting me share.
together as we go today. Jesus, we're so grateful and we're thankful for your peace and your mercy and your just the ability to come into any circumstance. And we can find you in that circumstance. And I pray for every person that stands in this place today as we leave and we go about our week over the next several days that you would remind us that in those moments of stress, in those moments of confusion, that we are reminded that to be a follower of Christ is not to in some way find perfection in and of our own, but it is to step in to the space that you have provided for us, and that is your grace and your mercy and your love. Remind us of that. It is easy for us to get our head around that when we're standing in your house. It is far more a struggle to be reminded of that in the heat of what the days bring us through every day of life. God, I pray today that you would go with us. Bless the families that are represented here today. Bless every person. May your spirit dwell in their hearts. And hover over us and guide us this week. We ask it in your precious.